I'm Alyssa. I'm Alyssa. I am not Alyssa. And I am not Alyssa. And I'm not Alyssa. And this is 52 Women, the official podcast of the Montgomery County, Maryland chapter of the National Organization for Women. And tonight we have some special guests. We have Lindsay and Mara from the Madison, Wisconsin chapter of NOW. Yay! Yay! Um, We're podcasting across states tonight. It's very exciting. And we'd like to give Lindsay and Mara a chance to introduce themselves and give us an idea of what Madison's working on. Well, thank you so much. Uh, This is Lizzie speaking. I'm the president of the Madison chapter of of NOW, and we have been, uh, we started talking a couple months ago about what we wanted to do for Love Your Body Day, and we were all so excited about coming up with things um, to reject the societal standards of beauty and the uh, message that a woman's value is best measured through her willingness to embody current beauty standards, um, that we decided to just make it a month of activities because there are so many different things that we wanted to do. Um, So we have a big social media campaign going on that Mara will talk about. Uh, We had an event yesterday, a screening of the film Straight Curve, paired with an indulging potluck that was a lot of fun. Um, We have a Zumba event on Saturday that's going to be a good time. Um, It's going to be a fundraiser for our uh, domestic abuse intervention services. It's a local nonprofit that helps uh, women who are survivors of domestic violence um, get back on their feet. Um, So we are are really getting into the the love your body stuff. (laughs) The food looked so yummy on Instagram. There was some really good food there. Oh my gosh, it looked so good. We also screened that film and we had bagged popcorn. Yeah, we had popcorn at our movie. It did not look as delicious at our movie as it did at yours. Well, you can't go go wrong with popcorn. Well, I know, but you guys had casserole dishes. That was really, looked really good. That was, again, all Mara's doing. I was the, the prep writer of the Oreos. That is my oh yeah, I saw I all know. the different flavors, which was the best. Why were the, why did they make all those flavors? Some of them sounded gross. <laughs> That's not even like well, there are like dozens of them now, Alyssa. It's and not all of them sound appetizing, but those look good that you guys had last night. They were very it? good. And yeah. I I have been generally very impressed with the the different Oreo flavors that they've been rolling out. The mocha ones were so good. The Dunkin' Donuts mocha, a lot of whatever ones were so good. That's the one that sounded gross. This podcast is not brought to you by Oreos. (laughs) (laughs) But it is brought to you by women who love their bodies and are okay eating Oreos. That is very true. <laughs> All right, so sorry, I didn't mean to get sidetracked, but your pictures were so good. You got—I love the pictures you guys post on Instagram. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah um, our photographer is Heather, and um, this is Mara, by the way, and I'm the uh, social media coordinator for uh, Madison now, which is a job I pretty much gave myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're so glad that she did. Um, yeah, I showed up Ooh. to my first meeting in February. And then by, I think, April, I was like, I'm just going to take over our social media. And um, that's what I've been doing. And, yeah, our um, our, photog- our official, quote-unquote, official... Uh, it's totally pro- official. 
Yeah, our official photographer is Heather. She just shows up with her camera and she takes pictures, and I just like taking photos. So, well, it looks great. You guys, you can tell how much fun you're having and how much you're doing. I love following you on Instagram. Oh, thanks. That's awesome. Yeah, you can find uh, them on yeah. Instagram. Oh yeah, tell us, tell us your where yeah. where people can find you on Instagram. Yeah, it's now underscore Madison on Instagram, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we post um, all of our events up there, and we post like photos of our events. Um, a lot of the photos are taken by Heather, and then there's you know some that are just pictures that are people you know on our Facebook that post them or you know. So yeah, I, I really like um, I like the the Instagram as, uh, aspect of it because you know people uh, see um, you know like they discussed in the film last night like people process photos so much faster. Me. And so you know that was um, yeah. People really engage with photos. I mean, it's so much more than you know, word or just about any other medium. So Instagram is good. Is my point. Yeah. Well, you guys you guys use it really well. Is the point. So have you, do you feel like you've, has your chapter grown? I don't even know anything about the growth of your chapter before we get into your, all this, like the bills and stuff you're working on. Yeah. So the chapter was um, not active for about a year and a half. Um, there wasn't much going on. And then I, I got back involved last, uh, late last summer. Um, and then at the November meeting, um, so we hadn't even been doing official meetings. Um, and there was an October meeting where there was like a couple of people like meeting over wine, didn't really feel like, you know, we were doing much. And then I organized something a little bit more um, uh, coordinated, more meeting-like for November. And it was it was good timing. It was right after the election. And it's a, you know, a good thing we had a meeting because there is about, um, we went from having, you know, a couple of people show up to having about 20 people. Wow. Uh, and it's been it's been about it's been growing uh, since then. Um, we have about I would say on average um, between ten and twenty people who show up at each meeting. Um, but we've been getting more and more people at events. Um, membership has uh, has grown quite a bit. Um, our email database has quadrupled uh, since November. So. Um, wow. Yeah, we've been seeing a lot of activity and a lot of growth. Awesome. Well, great job. Yeah. Well, and, like, um, if you go by, like, social media standards, our uh, Facebook has, like, gotten, like, over 100 likes since I've taken it over. Nice. Um, and it's, it grows, like, every week. We get at least, like, five more people a week. And um, our Instagram grow, is growing and our Twitter is growing. So that's always good, too. That is good. And it's, like, nice when I think about all the stuff on Twitter or other social media that frustrates me. It's nice that grassroots organizations, like, now can grow that way. Uh-huh. And it can be a positive thing. <laughs> Right? Yeah. <laughs> I need to hear something good happening. Um, no. Okay, so... so, ta- so all of the, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. It's kind of the silver lining with um, all the attacks on, on women's rights and um, just the rights of everyone being taken away is that folks are, are really engaged in you know, trying to do something to make a difference. So, and we're benefiting from it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and to kind of piggyback off of that, like... Um, the reason I joined now uh, when I did was because when 45 got elected, 
was like, slacktivism isn't going to take it anymore. Like, just sitting on my couch and sharing things on Twitter isn't going to take it anymore. And so um, I took some time after the election to grieve, like the white liberal snowflake that I am. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, um, and then I, um, you know, I got into it, and it's really... Um, it's really one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life because I've met amazing women doing it and some really, you know, great male allies too, which is fantastic. And it's made me just like a stronger feminist. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, you know, I've truly made like friendships that I know are going to stick with me forever. Like our secretary, Mindy, has seriously become one of my best friends and we've known each other for like eight months at this point yeah and i i talk to her familiar. like daily at this point it's so yeah like, yeah know. we're familiar we're familiar with that syndrome here yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. so you guys just but just to talk a little more about madison and 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 before we get into the weeds on stuff you guys were saying so we we talked last week before this podcast and you guys were saying that um, people think, which I totally did, think of Madison as this like liberal bastion of the Midwest. Like you're in like a bubble, everything's great in Madison. I have personally visited Madison, and it's like so lovely. The, what a lovely the place! Best place <laughs> it's a lovely place. I sat by the water. The food was like a third of the price as it is in Washington D.C. Yeah, <laughs> and it was yeah. delicious and beautiful, and I I loved it. Um, but but about the politics, you guys were saying that it's like it's it's kind of an illusion. This this idea of a liberal bastion. Well, I would say you know in some ways it is you know definitely um, a a little oasis of blue in a sea of red that is you know, most of the rest of the state. Um, but you know, even being as liberal, liberal as it is, it does have its problems. Um, you know, one, it's, uh, it really could use a, a lot more diversity. And we do have you know, a lot of issues with racism uh, here in Madison. Um, and it's, I think it's you know, largely when you, when you think that you, you vote the right way um, and you think you're doing all the right things, um, you can you know, convince yourself that you don't have to do any work to be a good ally. You know, have some serious discrimination problems. And yeah. People don't you know, want to take it. Sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say, and to kind of piggyback off of that, like, I come from a small town up north, um, and uh, it was, you know, I, I really enjoyed living there, growing up there, but, you know, it's um, it's got its problems, too, and I feel like, you know, coming to Madison and having such, like, a, a liberal base that it has this illusion, and it's like, as the state's capital, I feel like if, you know, we get better at it, then maybe it can reflect better in our state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so how does that how does that happen like how I, I've thought about this a lot and I'm so interested to hear what you guys think about this it's not necessarily a feminist issue but a progressive person's issue like I've thought a lot about um like why I don't know when, when I think about how we can flip the country blue I think more liberal people should move to places that are red right but then I think like how, where would I work? And would I like anybody I like who was my neighbor? And all these different things that are like challenges with moving 
off. I mean, as a as a good coastal elite snowflake that I am, out of moving <laughs> out of yeah. out of the coast and into a place that is more red in order to expand diversity or diversity of ideas into other places in the country. And then, like, I don't know. Is there? Do you feel like there's? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you move to a purple state? Like, like for those of us in Maryland, Pennsylvania is really not that far. Um, Virginia, uh, you know, there Northern no Virginia. There's no way I'm moving yeah. to Pennsylvania. Yeah, Pennsylvania sucks. There's no coast. I mean, yeah. I mean, as, as a, <laughs> someone who was born and bred in New Jersey, I have a, a severe disdain for, for ever living in Pennsylvania. So, yes. Um, but... No, but Wisconsin, I mean, Wisconsin and Michigan, places like that, I mean, I don't know if you'd call them purple, but they're not... Yeah, we've got... We, like... You know, this is the first presidential election that we have gone red in a in quite some time. Since Reagan, I, we were you know pretty purple until until last November, really. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, do you think that that? I don't know. Do you th- do you think that's a thing that could ever happen? Like a migration of of urban types to Wisconsin? Like, is that like a? Thing that you, you know, think should be on the table? <laughs> well, if you have, uh, I mean, with remote working and teleworking, maybe. Right. Well, but I'm just saying, like, I think people are more willing than you, than before to do more drastic things, right? And moving, not that moving to Wisconsin is drastic, but moving your family or moving your life to another right. state is drastic. Um, I would think that'd be more likely um, if they're moving to a, a moderately sized uh, city or town. Yeah. I think, um, you know, in a lot of these areas, and your red areas tend to also you know, be a little bit more rural, mm-hmm. um, where there may be you know, fewer job prospects um, and fewer, you know, kind of places to go and things to do, So, you know, I think, you know, a migration to moderately sized cities you know, would be... Um, a little bit more, it'd be more achievable. Yeah. Okay. I was just wondering what you guys thought. Cause I, I think about it from, from the coast. I wonder what people who are in the Midwest actually think about that idea. <laughs> it's, um, it's about jobs, you know, like here in Madison, we've got like the government jobs, we've got the university, and then we have um, a software company that has like over 10,000 employees you know so those are jobs that people like want and they're good quality jobs and so it's like we just need those for people to have you know in order to like move more okay yeah I mean I was just that's really interesting because I I mean I do think of Madison as a university town oh it is (laughs) yeah I'm actually like talking to you from the the UW campus right now because that's where I work. Oh, go Badgers! Right. <laughs> I have a lot of friends in Wisconsin, and my favorite thing about it is how they say Badgers, like not "Are you going to watch the game?" Not "Are you going to watch Wisconsin?" Yeah. Are you going to watch Badgers later? Yeah. My yeah. sister-in-law's family. Everyone except for my sister-in-law went to and Wisconsin. Also, when we talk about the Packers, it's like, oh man, we really lost the game the other, you know. Which I know we, ha- I know you ladies have a feeling about the NFL, but, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I has turned me listening to you guys talk about the NFL has been like, yeah, yeah. Aw, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Aaron okay, Rodgers seems really nice. Yeah. 
Yep, he broke his collarbone. I know, so what's up? Are they going to hire Kaepernick or what? Oh, I don't pay that much attention. Gosh, I would be so happy. I don't watch football, but that would make me very happy. That would make yep. me happy too, and I would root for the Packers forever. My brother's actually an owner, like he owns a piece of the Packers because he's a big Packers fan. Oh, that's very cool. Yes, he's, he's a cheese head. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Can you guys? talk a little bit about the legislation that you were talking to us about, the, the bills that are coming up and what you guys are working on? That is all in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a couple a couple things that we're working on. One of them um, is a, a bill that was just announced last week. It's called the Respect Women Act, and it's actually positive legislation in terms of uh, securing women's reproductive health care rights. Um, and anytime we can actually Fight for something. We're really excited because since 2011, there's been eight bills passed into law here in Wisconsin restricting uh, women's access to abortion services and reproductive health care. Um, so this bill is is pretty cool. Um, it has uh, it's actually an act with three different bills within it. Uh, one of them, uh, the goal is to ensure Wisconsin women have access to comprehensive reproductive health care by repealing existing abortion restrictions that are not grounded in medical science or widely accepted medical best practices. So imagine that. I mean, who wouldn't want that? <laughs> um, number two, um, that all patients receive honest, medically accurate information when seeking health care uh, by stopping the practice of politicians dictating what doctors have to say to their patients. Um, here in Wisconsin, just like many other states right now, um, uh, doctors have to read a script off to their patients who come in uh, seeking abortion care. Um, and it's, you know, doesn't take into account you know what's best for the patient doesn't take into account what the doctor really you know wants to tell them in terms of professional medical advice um and that script here in wisconsin is four pages long and it's ridiculous nice. um and then the third part of the act uh, is about improving law enforcement training um regarding effective response and prevention strategies uh, to better address uh, harassment and intimidation and violence that is directed towards patients and providers at reproductive health care facilities. So these are all, to me, very common sense goals. Um, and it would be absolutely wonderful if this was passed into law. Um, we are working on uh, some public awareness campaigns for this. We're going to be doing some letters to the editor across the state to build awareness. Um, and public support. We're going to be doing some social media uh, awareness building for it. Um, and it's you know, goals like these really help to have conversations with people who are not you know, passionate um, activists like we are, folks who you know, don't really understand you know, what the attacks on you know, women's health care have been in the past few years um, and don't realize how difficult it really is for a woman to get an abortion um, and you know, how it can you know, be very dangerous at times for them to just you know, try to walk through the door to a medical facility. Um, so we're excited about working on it. Um, 
honestly, the, the chance that something like this will pass in Wisconsin right now uh, is very small, but it helps us get, start to have a you know, conversation about why these things are important. And uh, once the tide turns back and we get uh, someone who is not Scott Walker as yeah. governor, um, and maybe get some Democrats into our Assembly and Senate, uh, we could we have you know, a good shot of getting these passed into law. So how do so you guys, can you talk about how you guys go about that? Like besides the letter writing and stuff, do you, um, do you meet with local government? Do you, um, how, how accessible are they to you guys? Sure. Well, and I think we're, that's uh, one thing about being in Madison, um, that it is great. Uh, we have several uh, women in our state assembly who have a, a track record of um, uh, you know, some of them have worked at, you know, worked at NARAL prior to being elected into office. Um, one woman, uh, Representative Chris Taylor, uh, was uh, in a lead role at Planned Parenthood uh, Advocates of Wisconsin prior to moving into the assembly. Um, and they are very available to us. They come speak at our meetings um, and they are you know, responsive and we want to talk to them about issues. There are also a number of um, great nonprofits here that work on reproductive rights and reproductive health care. One of them is Wisconsin Alliance for Women's Health. Um, and when this uh, legislation starts to be discussed. They reached out to us to see if we would be interested in, you know, officially endorsing it, and if we wanted to get involved with the messaging training um, and attend the press conference. So uh, we work with you know, nonprofit partners, and uh, our state representatives are very available uh, to us and um, uh, passionate about these issues too. So that's really yeah, that's really yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so who's on, I don't know anything about Wisconsin politics. When you say Scott Walker, obviously I, I, I had my phone on mute, but I was booing. So the podcast heard me booing, um, <laughs> even though you guys didn't. I, um, um, I shook my fist. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, you know, like <laughs> yeah. That guy is terrible. So what, what are the chances that he's going to get replaced and who's, who's like a looking good as a prospect? So we have a uh, of Democrats who have announced that they are either officially running for office or thinking about running for office. Um, and there's uh, several candidates that look good. There's one in particular. Um, I'm saying this only as you know, as Lindsay, you know, public friendly neighbor, not as you know, president, not giving an official endorsement or anything like that. But there's a woman named Helda Roy's. Uh, here and she lives in Madison. She was in the state assembly um, until 2011. She was the executive director of NARAL uh, Wisconsin for four years and she is um, she has a very strong record on women's health care and I she has announced that she's thinking about running for governor um, and I personally would be very very pleased if she did. She's actually speaking at now a separate meeting about the more women in public office. And is Scott, so Scott Walker's been there for a while. Is there are there term limits in Wisconsin, or can he not? Can for he can run and run. And oh, that's run. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yep. it is. 
Yeah, we um we had Mary Burke at our um, last meeting. Was our last? It was our last meeting, and she uh, ran for governor against Scott Walker um, in 2012. Um, I think it was 2014. Yeah, she she recently ran against him, and she. Uh, it was an amazing speaker to like listen to and uh she she talked about like running against him and um that was a and that is available for streaming oh on our facebook page cool i encourage everyone to go listen to it at the earliest opportunity right after they're done listening to this that's what they should do okay so we wish that a woman's there was a strong woman contender for governor in Maryland. So there's one who might be. There's yeah, there's one who you might know be. Her but well. yeah. Uh, strong black woman at that. Yeah, and another yeah. and another woman. Great. Who's the other woman? Um, she's young. She's like nursing her baby. In Georgia, right? Yes, she's awesome and um. If if you haven't, well, I talk about this on the pod all the time, so maybe you hear me professing my love for Pod Save the People. But uh, Deray McKesson interviewed her, Stacey Abrams, on Pod yes. Save the People, and she is fantastic. No, I heard her speak at Network Nation last summer, and she was incredible. She's just so well-spoken. I just really hope that with the election of 45, that everyone's just going to be so pissed off that the world is just going to be run by women. Yeah, that would be great. This this (laughs) is all I want in life, is a world full of run by women. I agree. Um, And, like, New Zealand just elected a prime minister who's, like, 37 and, like, their third female prime minister. Yeah. You know, Mara, that just made me think of something that I'll need to talk to you about offline. I think your your county board supervisor, where you live, um, is a, a very conservative jerk, and you need to get him out of office. And I think okay. he's a wonderful county board supervisor. <laughs> so what's a so what's a county board supervisor? Tell us about politics in Madison. Sure. So. Um, uh, so Madison is in, uh, the county of Dane, um, and each county has a, a board of supervisors, uh, who enact, uh, local legislation, um, legislation regarding, you know, county taxes, regarding, uh, environmental issues, regarding, like, tenant rights, um, all kinds of good stuff. Um, and the Dane County Board is mostly filled with progressive folks, but there are a couple folks who are less progressive. And also at the county level, there's not political parties. Um, And a couple of those folks um, have been in there for way too long. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm I'm thinking I want Mara to run for office. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mara, announce. Announce on our podcast. Yeah, breaking news. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I'm just gonna sit over here and nervously laugh. No comment. Mara Mara has not committed, but has she hasn't denied not it. denied that she's running. Oh my gosh. 
<laughs> we'll come to Wisconsin and campaign for you. Yes. I can eat at that restaurant I ate at down by the water. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Okay, can I get through helping plan a national, like, thing before I... Oh, yeah. Tell about that. We know. Oh, I don't really know much. All I know is that I got a text from Alyssa being like... And is it Alyssa 1 or 2? It's Alyssa 1. Alyssa one texted me and was like, and Lindsay was like, hey, do you guys have any young feminists in your group and or who are leaders? And I said, well, under a certain age. And I said, well, I'm 27 and I'm a leader. And so she's like, okay, great. Well, we're going to be talking about like young feminists at our national meeting this weekend. And we wanted to just mention you. I'm like, okay, fine. And she's like, oh, Tony might be calling you. And I'm like, Okay, and then, and not like twenty minutes later, Tony calls me and is like, "Hi, I want to um, ask you if you want to be um, help us with our national conference in San Jose next year." And I'm like, "Sure," and that is all I know. Well, I, I was I was sitting there for that call, um, like in the next room, and I heard I heard the whole thing. I was a witness. To the other side of the, con- to Tony's side of the conversation. Tony Van Pelt, who is the president of National Now, is who we're talking about here. Yeah. Yep. So exciting. So I, I'm, I'm really excited about that. And we want it, I want to go anyway, but it, uh, it makes me more want to go knowing that um, I can go listen to you talk a little. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And and, I, and especially you know, I, if I can hear your stump speech for your campaign uh, for county okay, assembly. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, and here's I'll just dust off my theater degree. Yes. And, uh, oh my gosh! <laughs> wait, don't tease me. Is there going to be a dramatic reading of something? Because I'm that I'm definitely coming. I mean, I totally could. Yes, like, do it. Or I could do an interpretive dance to like I will always love you. No, like, let's do you know? improv. Let's do let's do like a little improv theater. Sure thing. Yes. <laughs> Can you work in that? I will always love you thing. So, I mean, it's kind of my go-to song. Just Jenny Rose like, does love Whitney Houston. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so this, this doesn't have to be in the podcast, but I just have to ask, have you seen Bodyguard the Musical? No. No. Oh my. That's a thing? I feel like I should know it is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And I am like, I go see musicals all the time, have not seen Hamilton, but I go see musicals all the time. And let me tell you, Bodyguard the Musical is the best thing ever. Wow. Right, put that on the list for the now retreat. We're on it. Yeah. Our now I don't know what happened to our retreat. Oh, yeah. It's taking 500 days. Yeah. <laughs> We're so good. I'm not familiar with it either, and I love musicals. Oh my gosh, it, it was part of my uh, season pass in Chicago this year, and it was like, I was not sure, but it's just like pure Whitney Houston, and it's amazing. Well, save us save us a uh, drink when you're famous at the conference. <laughs> Get some sourdough bread and a drink. There we go. <laughs> Huh? Okay, so no, it's back on track. Oh. <laughs> right. oh, another piece of legislation 
yes. uh, that we are working on. Um, so there is an act here in Wisconsin uh, called the Unborn Child Protection Act. Oh, God. And it is terrible. It's been declared unconstitutional, but um, our wonderful... Uh, illustrious governor and attorney general uh, uh, want to keep it on the books. So it'll be facing an appeals court date soon. And what it does is um, it allows the state to take um, certain pregnant women into custody, appoint a lawyer for her embryo or fetus, um, and she will not be guaranteed a lawyer. Um, and lock the woman up into either a drug treatment program, a medical hospital, or jail, whether or not drug treatment is really needed. Um, the law uses really vague, confusing language, like um, the person, quote, habitually lacks self-control and the use of alcohol or controlled substances, unquote. Um, so it's hard to understand or predict uh, whether it's going to be used against somebody. Um uh, let's see, so far, uh, a few of the most egregious cases when it's been used include uh, forcing a pregnant woman into a 90-day residential drug treatment program, uh, even though she wasn't using any drugs. Um, she was 14 weeks pregnant and went in to get uh, prenatal care and told her provider that she had you know, overcome a past uh, problem with the drug Percocet. Um and they wanted her to continue to take you know, the drug that she had been prescribed and finished using uh, to wean off of it, even though she had already been weaned off. Um, uh, another woman was locked into a medical hospital um, on the other side of the state from her husband. Um, this happened when she had asked a hospital uh, for help with a drug problem. Uh, instead of getting that help, she was put in this facility where she did not receive any prenatal care and was put on uh, much stronger and much more dangerous drugs than the original drug that she had sought help for. Um, and then there was another woman who was locked up in county jail when she refused to voluntarily go to a drug treatment program that she did not need. Um, and seek health care, she had said before she knew she was pregnant. Um, uh, that she had occasionally used alcohol to deal with depression and a thyroid condition, um, as well as drugs. And uh, yeah. do they know that these programs like make it worse for what? Like, first of all, you don't have women come forward, coming forward for prenatal care because they're terrified of what's going to happen. Secondly, they force women into with into these withdrawals, which is worse for the fetus than than the actual drug they're taking. Like, do they just not care about medical science? Is that is that where we are? I mean, I'm pretty sure that's where we are. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, no, they, they do not care about science. Um, you know, and, and each of these cases, it is very disturbing. Is the attorney has been appointed for the fetus, and the woman has been told that she you know, doesn't get a lawyer yet. So they go to court, she doesn't get a lawyer, but her fetus or embryo does. It's really just uh, unconscionable and very scary attack on women's rights. So um, uh, with that facing a federal appeals court date, um, the National Advocates for Pregnant Women actually reached out to, uh, to us because they're working on this as well. And I'm going to be um, I've been trying to connect uh, with with Lynn Paltrow um, to, to coordinate our plans. Uh, she's the ED of uh, 
National Advocates for Pregnant Women, but we're working on kind of a public awareness campaign for that as well, where we'll be um, putting out uh, letters to the editor across the state to raise awareness uh, for this act and how horrible it is. Um, We're going to be putting some information in um, kind of mom blogs and social media spaces for pregnant women so they're aware um, and doing a lot of awareness efforts to, to get the word out and get you know, public uh, awareness against this legislation because it is it is very, very scary, and Wisconsin is the only place in the country that has something quite like this on the books. And you know, this is something that Amer- the American Medical Association, like all of the medical associations, have really come out against. Um, uh, Amnesty International has come out against it, uh, the Wisconsin Medical Society, uh, pretty much everyone, uh, every medical society um, who's credible has come out against this legislation. Hmm. So people whose actual job it is to know these things have come yeah, out Yeah, just we're not trusting women and not trusting doctors is where we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Well, and then wait, it gets better. Because that's sarcasm. Um, there's, another, there's, a, there's another bill that I'm going to let Lindsay talk about that's attacking um, our UW system uh, in regards to abortion as well. Okay. Uh, so uh, a bill was introduced in our state assembly um, earlier this year, and there was a public hearing for it in the assembly over the summer, and there was a public hearing in our state senate on Tuesday, and uh, this bill would, um, so what it tries to do is uh, really attack Planned Parenthood and the university both at the same time, um, because uh, Republicans uh, in elected office don't love love the university about as much as they love Planned Parenthood. Um, it would prevent uh, residents of the GYNs uh, from uh, working with Planned Parenthood uh, to learn abortion procedures. Um, And since the state hospitals are already not allowed to teach abortion procedures because they want to make sure there are no state funds supporting abortion procedures, this would prevent uh, residents, OBGYNs, from learning how to conduct abortion procedures and would cause the university to lose their OBGYN training certification, um, which would... uh, greatly increase the shortage of OBGYNs in Wisconsin, which is already critical. We have uh, fewer than, um, the one in three counties in Wisconsin don't even have one single OBGYN. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's terrible. That's great. I can't believe that. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, one in three. So, and you have, you know, it takes a certain amount of you know, wealth and privilege to be able to you know, travel that far every time you need to see a doctor. Yeah. Um, so this, you really, you know, that would really you know, hurt a lot of the folks who voted these people into office because it would really, really hurt rural communities. Um, yeah, and that's kind of the, the irony in it. They're doing this to attack Planned Parenthood, but in fact, they're going to be you know, hurting, you know, women, you know, in rural communities who, you know, are, you know, trying to, you know, have, you know, babies and raise families, 
not exactly what you know they would expect the effect of the bill to be, but that's what it is. So, so yeah, um, yeah. Imagine it with any other kind of doctor; it'd be ridiculous. Um, but for you know, just getting basic, you know, family care, you know, for reproductive health care, you know, anytime a woman needs to, you know, go see. You know, a doctor to get prenatal care. She's being she would be impacted by this. Um, since if you were then get um, a third, or I'm sorry, about a third of uh, counties in Wisconsin is don't even have one OBGYN. Right, and weren't we? I think we were talking about this a few weeks ago in regards to like a lot of rural hospitals are closing their maternity wards, and this is kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm where it's it's the attack against Planned Parenthood, where that's the reason why senators like Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski support Planned Parenthood, because Planned Parenthood provides this medical care. And, and you have all of these reproductive services shutting down, and it's putting, frankly, it's putting women's lives in danger. Because Wisconsin is not the warmest state in the union, so if you're having a January baby, like, what do you do? Drive two hours across state and camp out in a hotel next to the hospital until you give birth? No, like, you can't do that. So it, it, it's awful. Yeah, well, I mean, and it just makes makes it... You know, even more you know, logical, you know, it makes us understand it even better, you know, why the United States is, you know, one of the worst or the worst developed country in terms of, you know, maternal mortality rates. Yeah. What did they say in uh, Birthright on Tuesday, Mara, that we're the 30th or the 50th? Um, um, I think it's actually more like the 40th. I think right it's like middle. somewhere in the middle there. But yeah, that was uh, that was uh, the film we watched on Tuesday night that was um, put on by another group, and that movie was terrifying. Um, and it was it talked about abortion access, and then there was like a small like uh, panel afterwards, and they discussed like abortion access in Wisconsin, and also it was just it's terrifying, you know. And the thing that it it just it upsets me so much because it's like it's it's a healthcare thing and it's, it's a woman's right to choose to do with their body. And, you know, if, and I know this is a joke that's been said all over the world, but if men could get pregnant, there'd be a Planned Parenthood on every corner, you know, like, yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's so frustrating because it's like, I just feel you know, um, I was talking to like a, a close relative of mine about Planned Parenthood, um, and he was saying like, "Well, you know," um, he was talking about, "Well, they don't want to pay for abortions." I said, "You know, not a single dollar of federal money goes towards goes towards abortions." And he was like, "Well, there's no way of being able to track that." I'm like. Yeah. Oh my God! It's called medical billing. It's not hard. There's a way. (laughs) Yeah. So it was just like you know, it's it's just really um, and and um, it's just that people just need to educate themselves, and that's really the issue is that people just don't educate themselves. They're just like I'm, I'm right and you're wrong, and it's like no. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm open to have open conversations with people. And you just have to be nice. Like, as it's like 
that's I feel like is a, a big issue in this country is that people just aren't nice to each other. Yeah. And that might just be the Midwestern. In I was going to say spoken like, like a true Midwesterner. It's, it's just the Midwestern in me. Like my, my parents raised me to be kind to one another, yeah. you know, and, and that's just how I've always been. And, and I just feel like if people were just nicer to one another, it's like, you have your opinion. I have mine. Let's just talk about it and see what we can do, you know, and, and instead of yelling at each other and shooting each other and bombing each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have had this, I have spent the last, I don't know, what month is it? October? The last two months, (laughs) spending a lot of time with someone with opposite political views of mine. Um, And it it can be done. You can have, like, and I'm not a Midwesterner, but I hear (laughs) my husband's family is from the Midwest, and they're the nicest people I've ever met, um, versus me, brass New Jersey person. But um, I... Bayonne Rules! It can, it can be done. You can, like, you just have, like, maybe we should just lock people in a room with each other, um, based on my current experience, and have them, like, you have to be polite, because we're not letting you out, and you, you need human companionship, and, like, have a conversation. You do find that you, there is common ground. There really you know, is. Here's, here's the thing. If people want to be locked in a room, I will make them hot dish. And I'll sit them down and be like, you can have this hot dish and have some coffee and you can just talk this out. Well, sorry, what is that? Wait, stop. Wait, stop. That was Midwestern code. I don't know what hot dish is. Yeah. Oh, so like casserole. Oh. You know, like, like that, the like, um, what I made last night was tater tot hot dish. Oh, my God. Like tater tot, hot, tater tot casserole. Um, yeah. If you want, I can go in my really strong Midwestern accent and just talk to you about those things. Um, can oh, we can we have can we have a separate face like Instagram feed that's just the recipes of Madison now? That would really help me. Okay, yeah. I will start, <laughs> uh, yeah for you, I will start an Instagram that's just like Midwestern food, yes. not just soul food. We yeah. can we can contribute yeah. to that too with our pre-bagged, pre-bought <laughs> stuff that we only have time to get after work. <laughs> We're coastal elites. Ah, uh, we don't know how to cook mid- how to cook good Midwestern food. That sounds delicious. Tater tot casserole. Holy crap! All right. Well, I will. I will. I will, I will bring you some. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Bring it to the conference. Yay! I'll bring it to the conference. Yes. I'm so excited for this conference, you guys. <laughs> Yes. I, I know it's many, many months away, but I'm going to start counting the days. We have Marup helping to plan. We got Tater Tot Casserole. <laughs> we have possibly some Whitney Houston interpretive dance. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the best no conference ever. Yeah. Very much. Yep. Um, so why don't you guys tell us what your chapter, which is so active um, and awesome, has planned for the upcoming months? All right. So on November 1st, we're doing an LGBTQ ally training. Uh, we're working with a local uh, LGBTQ group called Outreach uh, to organize it. It's going to be a, a couple hours in the evening, um, and it builds on uh, one's capacity to provide an kind of inclusive environment um, using natural ally behaviors um, and kind of learn about how to be better allies. You know, particularly, um, there's going to be a little bit of a focus on the trans community um, as well as uh, kind of recognizing 
uh, homophobia in our own lives and kind of reflecting on our own power and privilege and how we can use that to amplify the voices of others. Um, and then that is going to be right before our monthly meeting in November, where the topic is going to be uh, trans equality as a feminist issue, where we will have a panel of, of trans speakers. Um, and then in December, we are doing a intersectionality and white privilege training, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, we're working with a local group called Groundwork, uh, who... Um, has uh, national ties to Black Lives Matter. Um, we're working with uh, AFSME, actually. Um, they're providing the space for the training. Um, so they're, they're providing kind of a sponsorship for it. Um, and that's going to be a training that's going to largely focus on kind of gaining tools for identifying systemic uh, racism and privilege uh, and how folks can take meaningful action to challenge um, discrimination and racism uh, within their circles of influence. Um, and then let's see, the December meeting, um, we are going to have, uh, mentioned earlier, Kelda Royce, uh, who's going to be talking about the need for more women in public office, and she is also considering running for governor. So if she announced at our meeting, I'd be the happiest person ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, how cool would that be? Yeah, make sure you record it. Make sure you're... Um, we're also, we're hoping to have, so we had a karaoke fundraiser in the summer, um, and it was really fun, and it didn't take uh, a ton as far as event organizing and fundraiser organizing to, to put together. So I'd like to do one um, in either November or December. We're still hashing that out. I'd like to have a, a special feminist uh, guest karaoke year and working on you know, a couple of folks um, in our uh, state assembly who may do it. So fingers crossed. Oh my gosh. So you're going to have someone from your state assembly sing karaoke? Well, I don't know. I'm uh, there's some folks that I'm pitching. Yes. Um, we tell, we should do that. Tell them <laughs> that they should do it. We say they should do it. I will let them know that. <laughs> no, we'll call them and pretend to be constituents. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, and um, the uh, woman who, uh, Kathy Myers, who is uh, running on the Democratic ticket against Paul Ryan. Boo! Uh, she, yeah. Uh, she, she did a fundraiser like a couple weeks ago that was a cat. Uh, karaoke with Kathy and unfortunately I wasn't able to go but you know so Kathy likes to do karaoke yeah awesome yes. um oh one other thing sorry I um we are working on so we have um some especially awful CPCs uh in Madison um crisis pregnancy centers aka fake clinics uh who have been doing a lot of advertising lately um, advertising on like state areas such as um, the Department of Motor Vehicles, which is a little disturbing. Um, advertising in high school publications um, and just being even more extra horrible. So we are uh, kind of planning a campaign around raising awareness of how to identify CPCs. Um, we're going to be doing a rally in front of a CPC. Um, on November 4th, and then the weekend before that, on the 29th, we're going to yeah, get together and do a sign-making party for it, and then have um, a, a friend, a CPC expert, kind of do a spot the CPC tutorial, um, oh. 
to, to help people identify uh, their shady, shady tactics. Um, and we're going to be working on a couple uh, videos to share online for how to spot CPCs, too. Oh, my gosh. Make sure you tag us or send them to us so we can share them, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. You guys, you're so awesome. I want to move to Madison. <laughs> Aww. We've got really At least good come visit. Here. Well, at least come visit. This was awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Will you come back another time? Yes, thank you. Of, of course. Yeah, I would love it. Okay, so this is going to be us. so great. I love it, and people are going to love to hear what's going on in other places. I just... Yeah. I think it's yeah, so I interesting. Hope, I hope you get other chapters doing this, too. Like, we would like to. Yeah, we would. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, and hopefully we'll meet. Guys. hopefully we'll get to meet you guys in San Jose, if not sooner. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, right. Thank you for doing this. Yes, thank you. All right, well, we'll let you guys go and uh, have a good rest of your recording, okay? Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. Talk to you later. We're so happy our friends in Madison came on the pod. They're awesome, and I hope we'll get to um, bring you more of the exciting stuff they're doing as it goes on. Uh, in the meantime, back to our normally scheduled weekly healthcare rant jenny rose <laughs> over to you <laughs> i'm sorry it's not i mean it is my favorite topic but i don't really like it when it's happy healthcare news um okay so recap from last week and this is thursday october 19th so i think last time we podcasted there was like the rumor that trump wasn't going to pay the the CSRs, the subsidy payments, well, yeah, that came true. Um, if you ever want to be part of the rumor mill, Politico is a great, great source. That's where I get all this from. But um, he decided he wasn't going to do that. So I think a few weeks ago we mentioned that there was a group of senators working for a bipartisan solution. So Patty Murray from Washington and then Lamar Alexander from Tennessee earlier this week came out with a bipartisan bill um, that would have Congress fund the CSRs for two years, and it would also give states more flexibility in how they implement either the payments or certain portions of the Affordable Care Act. I'm not really sure about that part, but the, the point is that as we sit here on Thursday, the bill has 60 votes. The bill might have more than 60 votes because now you have Republicans coming on board where the Trump administration has denied their requests for waivers to, to, to be creative with the Affordable Care Act. And this was part of the plan. It's, all, it's good, but the Trump administration has denied the waivers. So now this bill would, would give them the flexibility they want. So there's bipartisan support. Yay, it's good news. Um, and the bad news is that I was following, um, Jennifer Haberkorn on Twitter. I feel like EV2 here. Um, she is, <laughs> um, she's the Politico healthcare reporter on the Hill. Um, and I listen to the Political Pulse check and she frequently guests. Anyway, her point was that the problem is because this has 60 votes and because it has support, Ms. McConnell, who is just an awful, awful thing that substitutes for a human being. <laughs> and is also a turtle. A turtle. I was trying to, like, find some way to, like, play on turtle there, and it didn't work. But, but hopefully yeah. not a turtle, because they live a really long time. 
Yeah, well, tortoises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I um, you can take the wildlife biologist out of the career, but um, <laughs> so yeah. So the problem is because it has the support from the Senate. Um, Jennifer Habercorn was saying, well, the problem is McConnell might not bring it to a vote, which would be awful. And we don't know if it would get support in the House. Like, we don't know that. Um, I didn't see any polling on that. Um, but that would just be awful if they did that. And the doofus in the White House has been flip-flopping for the past week about if he supports it or doesn't support it or if he does. Like, he can't make up his friggin' mind. And it's annoying, but, you know, that's that's where we are with that. So... There's good news, there's bad news mixed in there. Um, and, you know, why does this matter for women? Why are we talking about this on a feminism podcast? Because these subsidies help low-income people afford health insurance. They help single, single mothers afford health, afford health insurance and get all the health care they need. And, you know, it, it um exponentially affects women and women of color more than it affects your standard white male. Um, so that's why we talk about this. So um, I would encourage you, if you're not in Maryland, to call your senators and ask them to support this bill. If you are in Maryland, call Cardin and Ben Holland and be like, hey, thank you for supporting this bill. Like, again, we want you should be keeping an open dialogue with your um with your elected officials. Probably, I wouldn't recommend calling them as much as I do because I really think they know me by now and I don't know that that's a good thing, but hey. Um, I also think it's nice to call, when I call, I thank the person who answers the phone who's like a staffer or an intern who's there yeah. late nights when they're working on this stuff. Um, and I just say, like, thank you for all your hard work on this. I'm sorry you have to be there yeah. all these hours because these people keep trying to undermine democracy and dismantle everything we've built, but I appreciate your hard work. <laughs> yeah, and I think you should also, like, that's a good point, like, thank them and also just be nice to them. Yeah. Like, be nice. I'm, I'm, I mean, Hogan's office hates me, and the guy who picks up the phone is so rude, but I'm always nice because I would like him to stop being rude to me eventually, but... I also realize that he is probably encountering people much more nasty than I am. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, you should be calling your senators about about Murray, the Murray Alexander bill. And then also the 20-week abortion ban, which passed the House, is, um, we don't know when, but it's coming up for a vote in the Senate. Um, McConnell just said soon. Thanks, turtle man. Um, so... You should also be calling your senators and ask them to oppose that. And um, we may have, you know, when we get a date, I'm sure we'll send out a specific action item as, as to what, you know, what we all can be doing, if there's anything else we can do. But we don't have a date right now, and it's really just call, call your senators and be like, please vote no on this, please. Because not only does it, does it, interfere with a woman's body autonomy um, and our, our ability to choose what happens to us. It also criminalizes doctors. <laughs> like, like, so even if you have a doctor out there who's willing to help you and say, screw this, like, I believe a woman has a right to health care, blah, blah, blah. The doctors can be criminal. Like, it's, it's, a whole, it's a whole mess 
of no good. So, and then just to kind of illustrate, like, how horrific it could be if they passed a 20-week abortion ban, because, I don't know, we're living in the handmaid's tale. I have no idea what's going on anymore. Um, there's this case of Jane Doe. She's a young, um, she came from Mexico, but she's a young immigrant who, my understanding is she came to the U.S. in order to get an abortion, to terminate her pregnancy. Um, she's 17. She doesn't want to carry the pregnancy to term. And the Trump administration picked her up, or just, I mean, ICE picked her up and sent her to a crisis pregnancy center where they tried to pressure her into having the baby. And so this is Thursday. So on Wednesday, October 18th, uh, a judge basically said, no, this girl has the right to have an abortion. The girl has a right to end her pregnancy to choose what happens to her life. So today, uh, late breaking news as of 6.26 p.m. on Thursday, the... um, the Trump administration is basically appealing the judge's ruling. So the Trump administration is trying to force this girl to carry her pregnancy to term, which doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. You know, us as feminists, why are you trying to force us to do something to our bodies that we don't want to do? That's number one. But number two, this girl is not, she's not a legal, a legal immigrant. She came over and she had the correct, paperwork to, like, I guess she has a permit to come over for health care or something, but her paperwork was in order. And you're trying to force her to have a baby on U.S. soil, so, like, isn't that what they're all trying to stop? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't um, make, none of it makes any sense, and, yeah. and we were talking before, George Will wrote a column, um for the Washington Post today about um, Democrats being the ones who were the extremists on abortion. Um, and which his, is wrong. Which is wrong. <laughs> um, and his points were really, you know, I, I think sometimes we get lost in the, um, in trying to justify women's behavior. And it's normal because I think what we're trying to do is make a strong argument. So we hear that someone... Uh, wants to restrict birth control access. So we say, but there are women who take birth control for health reasons. And there are. And it's wonderful that birth control works for that. And I, I think it's fantastic that people can do that and that it's a resource for them. But the actual um, original purpose of birth control is not something that that we should be ashamed about, right? Like we should yeah. we should feel happy that there are women who can have sex and not worry about getting pregnant. Um, even yeah, if that was I, all it was, that's okay. And I think the same thing happens with abortion. We say, like, well, a wo- maybe a woman was raped. Well, maybe there was incest. Well, maybe nothing. I, I feel like we we spend so, so much time making excuses for why women should be able to take birth control or why a woman should be able to have a baby or not have a baby or make her own choice about her life. And really, there's none of that is necessary. It's, it's up to that individual woman whether she takes birth control. It's up to that individual woman whether she can have a baby right then or not. And, and there's no excuse necessary. Women are, we're, we're humans. We're our own people. And we're allowed to make choices for our own bodies. Whether that's about birth control or abortion or when to get married or whether to get married or whether to have children or whether to have sex with a man or a woman or 
whatever we want to do. That's our own choice. And men's bodies are never, ever, ever under question in this way. And they're never regulated in this way. And it's so infuriating and so painful that I like don't know how many more articles I can read about it. <laughs> yeah, and just to correct myself as I scroll down on this article, the teen is from Central America, not Mexico. She's being housed in a facility near the Mexican border, which is where I got Mexico from. Um, and she was abused by her parents, and it's not easy for her to return home. She does have relatives in the United States, but she's currently 15 weeks pregnant. Texas has a 20-week abortion ban. Um, so after 20 weeks, she can't have an abortion in Texas. And I don't think this girl has the means to travel to another state. Um, so she might not be able to find a sponsor in time to terminate her pregnancy. So there's legal battle going on. The ACLU has jumped in on the girl's behalf. And, um, yeah. Well, and we, and we were all three trading, we were all three trading texts about, um, a leaked, a leaked document that came out today that was... The White House's wish list to the OMB, um, and Crooked Media leaked it. So, all the haters who think I'm a fangirl of Crooked Media, you're right. I'm a total fangirl of Crooked Media. But also, they leaked something really good today, which was the White House's wish list. And on that wish list, which was actually Jenny Rose's first comment, was, "Oh, great! They're gonna um, cure teen pregnancy by not having birth control or sex ed anymore. Sounds awesome. That's really gonna work out." Well. No, no. My first comment was because the document says that teen pregnancy prevention has has yielded negative. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that was my first comment. Yeah. And then my second comment was, "Jesus Christ, I can't make it past page three. Yeah. Um. But I mean but, that. But know. that's the. It's not even. They're not even willing to hide behind the lie anymore that they think everyone should just be abstinent through their teenage years, which is obviously ludicrous. We've all been teenagers. Um, now they're just basically saying birth control is evil. So a three three judge panel, a three judge appeals panel is reviewing this case and. Um, the ACLU said an abortion provider will be ready to perform the abortion Friday, as in tomorrow, if the appeal, appeals court rules in the dean's favor. So at least the ACLU is doing what they can to help this this girl. And I'm calling her a girl because she's 17, girl, woman. I don't mean that as any disrespect to her, but this is this is what this is what a 20-week abortion ban means. Um, that. That they're they're going to use the court to, to stop women from getting health care and running out the clock, and I can't, I can't. So and imagine how many hoops this one particular person had to jump through to get where she is, only to be denied, and like how heartbreaking that must feel. Yeah, yeah, and she's already come a very long way, and I'm I'm sure risked her life. Yes, to, to, you know. And clearly, if she has abusive parents, she's probably risked her life in more than more ways than one. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to ask George Will that. Like, in this column today, he was talking about fetuses feeling pain and scientists knowing when they can feel pain and talking about that. And I, I kind of want to say two things. One, if we're just going to not trust doctors to uphold their Hippocratic Oath and first do no harm and do the right thing, then regulate fucking everything, dude. And number two is, like, 
what if we're going to get into debate about pain, then let's get into debate about pain and talk about what happens to a child who's born into a house where the mother was traumatized in 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 the conception of the of the child where the mother doesn't want to have the baby where their mother's not financially or father's not financially ready to have the baby where there's no let's support if we're going to talk about talk pain about, let's talk about pain let's talk about a pain of a woman giving birth to a child that is going to kill her hell yes let's talk like, about let's that talk pain about yeah let's talk about the pain of a woman giving up her hopes and dreams because she accidentally got pregnant. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't matter to them. At all. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's sad and infuriating. It is. So that's my uh, happy healthcare update. I really liked that healthcare update. I feel like it went in a really good direction. <laughs> <laughs> Call your senators. <laughs> Call your senators. Yes. Um, how about happy news? Chelsea Handler's giving up her uh, her life of stardom to be an activist? I don't think she's giving up her life of stardom. <laughs> but I like Chelsea Handler a lot. Um, and she announced yesterday that she will not be continuing with her Netflix show because um, she wants to become a better activist. Um and her statement, I have it here, it says, uh, Like so many across the country, the past presidential election and the countless events that have unfolded since have galvanized me. From the national level down to the grassroots, it's clear our decisions at the ballot box next year will mark a defining moment for our nation. For these reasons, I've decided not to return to another season of Chelsea and instead devote as much time as I can to becoming a more knowledgeable and engaged citizen and to focus on projects that have significance to me. My goal is to be better informed, raise my voice, and participate in a more meaningful way. I want to travel the country and visit areas and people I don't know enough about, speak at colleges and listen to students, and gain a better understanding of our political divide. I have joined forces with EMILY's List to elect more women to public office, register people to vote, and campaign for candidates who are fighting for women's rights. Um, and then she goes on to talk about how she's going to have a de- documentary coming out on Netflix. And she'll engage with people she doesn't talk with enough. Uh, people of dif- different ethnicities, religions, and political philosophies. So good for her. <laughs> and then today she um, posted that she gave a million dollars to... Unidos por Puerto Rico. Yeah, that organization. Um and she said that's her day one of activism. So I, I I like that. So good for Chelsea Handler. I like that too. And I love her. I love Chelsea Handler. I love her. She's unabashedly um, strong and sexual and gives zero fucks. And I love her so much. She does give zero fucks. I enjoy the zero fucks. <laughs> but I also, like, I watched her um, her Netflix, not her show, not her um, talk show on Netflix, but the... Chelsea, Chelsea does, does. different ones, yeah. and I was, I don't know why, I'm going to say surprised, but I don't mean that in a negative way, but I was, it was refreshing to see her be able to hold a conversation with someone who shares opposing views or 
or has more knowledge about something than she does. And she is able to have like a respectful dialogue with them. And I think that's really nice and helpful for what she's trying to do. Like she seems to have that ability and a lot of people don't have that ability. Um, So I think that'll, that'll be good. The racism episode of Chelsea does was really good. Um, particularly good. She did a few others, but I watch her show all the time and I was really sad when Chelsea lately ended. Yeah. Uh, cause I used to watch that every night and I watch her show on Netflix now all the time. Um, so I'll miss it, but I don't know. It makes me happy that she's doing, doing good things. Yeah. She's cool. And if you're into, um, just to raise up other women and crooked media, cause that's my thing. Um, there's a woman, Anna Marie Cox, who's a journalist, um, and she's a, um, recovering addict and she's brilliant and she worked for mtv news most recently but other places too um and she has a podcast called with friends like these and she also talks to people who disagree with her or who disagree with each other um she talks to lots of republicans but she also talks to people who are um gun rights advocates and all different kinds of things and it's sometimes very uncomfortable even to be the listener (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's very uncomfortable to hear the conversations, but they're also so interesting and they don't change my mind about the issues, but they do change my mind about the people. And I think that was like part of what we were, when we were talking about with the Madison now people about listening to others, it's like, it might, it, I kind of feel like for me, it's less about changing my mind about the issue and more about changing my mind about the people and not just thinking you're stupid, you're ignorant, you're racist, whatever, but coming at it from a different um, perspective and maybe you don't ever find common ground, but you can see each other as people. And I feel like that's the first step to, to things changing. Yeah, that's the common ground. You're both, you see, you see people as people. Yeah. With lives and things we're trying to get done and and I think that helps um um the other thing so I just found another piece of really nice news that we didn't talk about ahead of time but I was oh I saw I saw you just I saw you just texted it yeah so so I just found this so Southwest celebrates their first in quotes unmanned (laughs) max max eight flight while shutting down haters so basically this flight from San Francisco to St. Louis, or St. Louis, no, San Francisco to St. Louis, has an all-woman crew, including two pilots, um, which is awesome, and yeah. I, it's, and that makes me so happy. Yeah, that is, that does make me happy. Yeah, and it says only 6.7% of pilots are female, um, according to the nonprofit Women in Aviation, Inc., but, oh, that's so nice. It's so nice, and it actually makes me think of my friend. Um, so I have I have a very good friend who I just visited, um, who is a Navy pilot, and his wife's also a Navy pilot. And when they decided it was time to have kids, she retired from the Navy. She's still a reservist, and she does other stuff. Um, she went to Naval Academy, so she had many, many, many years in. Um, and she was telling me that when the jets fly overhead the two-year-old says, that's daddy's plane. And when he sees the plane, he says, that's daddy's plane. And she, like, got teary-eyed, and she said, you know, that's mommy's plane, too. And it's a bigger deal that it was mommy's plane than it is that it's daddy's plane. 
and hey. it was yeah. like it, it was it was hard. Like, and she's a very conservative person generally. You know, she <laughs> she's a Navy pilot. She grew up in a small town. Like, and she's like, I just that matters to me that he knows not only that I can fly the same plane as Daddy, but that it was a it's a bigger deal that mommy can fly that than daddy at this point. Um, and I, I think things like that, we don't think about like traditional gender roles of pilots and police officers and things like that. Like that it's, it starts really, it starts really young thinking that those are men's jobs. And you know, it's, it is, it is, it's like a lovely piece of news to hear that there's an all woman crew. That's a lovely piece of news. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I have to say like for as yes, yes. traditional as I, my upbringing was in some, in some ways, in some ways my upbringing was traditional. My mother and my grandmother and my uncle, um, and not to leave my dad out of it, but he's pretty silent on the issue. But they were always <laughs> like, you can be whatever, you can be whatever you want. Like, you can be whatever you want. You can be, you can be a cop, you can be a firefighter, you could be president of the United States. You could, like, so, so as I was growing up, and I got that from a very young age, as I was growing up, like, it was never in my mind that I couldn't do these things because they were male jobs. And I'm a child of the 80s, so I think it's just, it's messaging to your children. And like you said, it starts early, but. Oh yeah. I, I mean, think, I think, I, I, I mean, free to be you and me is still my favorite and my kid, like, <laughs> this is so <laughs> child of hippie parents, but like free to be you and me was my, I loved it. And like, I still have the book of all the songs. And like, you think about that though, like the messaging that has to go into it, like boys are allowed to have dolls is one of the messages of free to be you yeah. and me. And like, like you're saying, like girls can grow up, Mommies can be construction workers. Mommies can be police officers. Like, that's part of the messaging that went into it then, and it's still part of the messaging that kids need to hear now. You're totally right. Yeah, and to be fair, my um, dad is a, was a laborer, like, worked with his hands, and I was always like, I want to help, I want to help, I want to help, and he never said no. Like, I can do things that my husband can't do because my father taught me how to do it. So it was just expressed in a different way. Not yeah. to give my dad bad press. <laughs> not for Cap- Captain Manny. Shout out. Yeah. Not to give him, not to give him bad press. <laughs> um, no, but I think you're right. I think it's, I think it does. It starts young and you have to, and it, you know, it sounds silly to tell, at least for me as a mom, it sounded silly to, tell my daughter she could play with trucks and blocks and my son that he could play with dolls but it's it's an effort because the outside influences are huge and you actually you have to be the one who says it's okay to do this mm-hmm. so good for your parents and it like I yeah we have to continue that um okay so upcoming chapter news um, so by the time this podcast is, um, up and posted, we'll be one day away from our woman to woman phone bank to flip Virginia blue. Um, this is not a get out the vote phone bank. It's actually a phone bank to try and find some common ground and convince some, um, women to get out there and vote blue. Um, Virginia governor is, is, um, the governor's race has heated up tremendously 
And um, a guy, the Gillespie, who's a Republican who used to be considered a pretty moderate Republican, um, has been uh, <laughs> has been okaying some really terrible ads um, against Northam and saying that terrifying, like saying that because he wants to protect immigrants' rights, uh, he's spreading MS thirteen and like gang violence through Virginia. I mean, like really, really bad. Um, so we're and, gonna. And uh, Donald Trump agrees with him. Yes, Donald. Well, yeah, and 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 Donald Trump. He's really he he's really taken on the Donald Trump agenda. Um, so Obama we're gonna. Obama is with uh, Ralph Northam right now, according to Facebook Live. Oh my gosh, amazing! I wish I was Ralph Ralph Northam right now. Um, so we'll be we'll be there uh, doing that. Ooh, we should tweet at Alyssa Mastromonaco and Nina um, Nira Tandon and those people to tell them about our our phone page. Okay, anyway, so we're going to have this woman, woman, woman phone bank. We're going to have it at um, Woman's National Democratic Club downtown. They have a beautiful brownstone um, that they've had uh, for a very long time, and they're generously letting us use it, and one of our awesome members um, hooked it up for us, so we're really excited about that. Um, we have a meeting coming up on November 8th. That's a chapter meeting that's going to be at the Gaithersburg Library at 7.30. So come. Yay! yay Gaithersburg Library. Jenny Rose can walk. Um, so come plot and plan with us. Um, November 15th, we have a trivia night at Denison's in Silver Spring. Um, it's going to be all woman trivia. Uh, so brush up on your women's history. Um, but anybody is welcome to join us, and we're really excited. Uh, December 3rd, we're going to be having our next panel, which is on Repro Justice. We're really excited about that. Um, so lots of great stuff coming down the pike, and um, we're, we're, we really look forward to having lots of people with us um, to hang out on all these various occasions. Um, if you want to find us on the web and find out more about these awesome activities, uh, you can find us at www. Oh, thank you. Continue. <laughs> mcmdnow.org. That's MC for Montgomery County, MD for Maryland, um, which is our calendar. Um, you can go to www.mcmdnow.org slash join uh, to join our chapter, and then you'll be automatically uh, subscribed to our feminist calendar, which is not annoying. We don't spam you or drive you crazy, uh, but you do get our events and some local feminist events that you may be interested um, in attending. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, and you can find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at MC for Montgomery County, MD for Maryland, now for National Organization for Women. And we're actively posting all the time. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll get off of this podcast and go retweet a bunch of things that Jenny Rose has tweeted because she live tweets <laughs> everything. Oh, I should add that one now. I didn't. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> judging. It's fine. Um, and so we hope we'll see you at some upcoming events and we hope you'll follow us, um, all the ways you can on social media and, um, by getting our feminist calendar. Uh, woman of the week. Yes. Uh, so since Madison now was on the podcast this week, we're going to do a Wisconsin lady for our woman of the week. Her name is Catherine or Kay Clarenbach and she is one of the co-founders of the National Organization for Women. Kay was born in 1920, which was the year the 19th Amendment passed. 
Uh, early in her career as an educator, she realized the discrepancies between women and men in the workplace. She and her husband took teaching jobs at the same college in Michigan, and she earned half as much as her husband did, even though she had a Ph.D. and he didn't. Um, she eventually took a teaching job at the University of Wisconsin, which was her home state school. She taught a continuing education course that gave women who had children and who wanted a job outside of the home the knowledge of how to make it. Over 100 women took her non-credit course in 1962. In 1964, she got the governor of Wisconsin to authorize a state commission on the status of women per a Kennedy administration ruling. She served as its chair from 1964 to 1969 and also from 1971 to 1979. While she was working, other mothers would help take care of her three kids because they knew she was working to better women everywhere, so they wanted to help her succeed in that. She worked to change Wisconsin's laws governing divorce, marital property, and sexual assault. Kay was an attendee at the Third National Conference of Commissions on the Status of Women on June 29, 1966, along with Betty Friedan, who wrote The Feminine Mystique. The delegates at the conference were told they had no power, which obviously did not make them happy. Betty invited those frustrated participants to convene in her hotel room to discuss uh, future plans and what they could do next. Kay was one of the women who showed up to Betty's room. Uh, Betty wrote on a napkin the acronym NOW now, uh, and the National Organization for Women, quote, to take the actions needed to bring women into the mainstream of American society, now full equality for women and fully equal partnership with men. Kay took the napkin as well as 27 donations of $5 each, and that was basically the formation of NOW. Um, the same year, she was elected NOW's chair of the board and served in that role f until 1970. She was also a founder of the National Women's Political Caucus and the Wisconsin Women's Network. In 1977, she became the executive director of the National Women's Conference, and it was a defining moment in the women's movement. It also helped solidify the women's movement as an actual legitimate political movement and not just a fad. Uh, she was Wisconsin Now's Woman of the Year in 1980, and she served as Now's Legal Defense and Education Fund President in 1981, and she passed away in 1994. So, cool. There you go. Cool life. Yeah, so... Part of the reason our chapter exists is because of Kay. So thank you for that. Awesome. Okay, so we'll talk next week, and hopefully we'll have uh, better and more updated news on um, the revolution against men trying to uh, control women's bodies. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.